Hello, Earth Angels, and welcome back to another episode of Alignment Academy. I am beyond excited for this episode today because it's a very special one. I've never done an episode like this, but it's something that I want to start doing. I am bringing on a very dear friend, a past client, a co-coach in my coaching programs. Her name is Kalina. And the reason I wanted to bring Kalina on is because she's what I call just like a star client. She has taken everything that I've taught her and turned it into gold, just kind of like like made her pain her bitch. I'm sorry to be a little vulgar, <laughs> but she has truly transformed so much in the probably like year and a half that I've known her. So Kalina has taken almost all of my programs. She started with me in my program Activate, which is now a uh, do-it-yourself program. So I'll link that below. And then she's also taken Soulful Strategy, which is my strategy program. Basically, she's really transformed her life. She used to be a school teacher. She started her own business, is now a successful coach working for herself, has quit her job. And like, truly, this is the why I do what I do, because watching someone go from truly hating their life to being in their purpose, getting paid for it and feeling so fulfilled is there's nothing better, in my opinion. So without further ado, let me let her speak for herself. <laughs> Kalina, welcome to Alignment Academy. I'm so happy to have you here. <laughs> Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I also feel like I need to steal that made my pain, my bitch, <laughs> and add that to my, my profile now. Um, yeah, I'm so excited to be here. I am, for those of you who don't know me, I am a self-worth and mindset coach. I essentially help those raised as the good ones. So those who are people pleasers, perfectionists, and overachievers, and I help them to really release the shame and guilt, the doubt, and all of those limiting beliefs that they carry that are keeping them stuck. So mm. they can really just step into who they actually are and the life they actually want to create that feels in alignment to them. I am obsessed with what you do. And I feel like it's been such a honor and such a cool thing to see you go from being such a people pleaser in your life to, again, putting yourself first and going after what you want when I know you didn't get a lot of approval and you did have to go through a lot of like hardship and, um, you know, not making people happy to be where you are today. So I think it's really cool that you're truly an embodiment of what you teach, which is how I think that this, this coaching thing works is when you're an embodiment of what you teach. So I really want to get into all of it, all of the things that you've done, but I think it would be helpful to start at the beginning. Like, let's talk about your childhood. Like you're a people pleasing coach self-worth coach, but you help a lot with people pleasing and boundaries and self-worth, which all kind of blends together. But where did this journey start for you? Why did you grow up as a people pleaser? Why were you the good one? Tell us, tell us your whole story. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> um, so I really grew up as the good one where I had in my family dynamic, I was kind of the one who no one had to worry about. I was responsible. Um, I did everything I could to get the best grades. I was involved in absolutely every club, every team, um, inside and outside of school. And I had, based on kind of my sibling dynamics, I had a young, younger sibling who needed much more attention than I did, you could say, and who was 
very opposite of me in many ways where I was very much like, you have to follow the rules. This is how it works. And, you know, my younger sibling didn't really care about the rules. Mm -hmm. And so I learned at a young age to one, be responsible for other people and to do what I could to stay, stay small so that I wasn't taking up, you know, my parents' attention when it should be on someone else, or I wasn't, um, I wasn't, you know, causing any more conflict or any more stress in the house. And I learned to be really hyper independent that way, where I could just kind of do my own thing only like not, like I said, take up space, but also just be in charge of myself while also being in charge of a younger sibling. And I just put a lot of pressure on myself to earn that love. I thought that was something that I had to work really hard for because I would work, you know, 10 times as hard to get that perfect report card. And at the end of the day, the conversation wasn't about, oh, that report card was great and yay for you. It was about my other siblings who weren't doing well. And that was where the focus went. Mm -hmm. So I was constantly trying to like earn that love and prove that I'm good enough. Look, and I noticed how doing that at a younger age I really just trickled into adulthood, me following that same pattern of like, am I good enough yet? Like, please tell me I'm good enough and let me make sure I, I don't ruffle any feathers. Let me be fully in control and prepared for all the conversations I'm having. Like, even for this, I did the best I could not to get too much in my head about it, to be prepared. Like that was a huge milestone for me to mm-hmm. come into this podcast without a script. <laughs> so just yeah, letting go of that control as well, but definitely seeing that as somebody who grew up as the quote unquote good one and all the responsibility and pressure that comes with that. Definitely. And thank you so much for sharing that with me because I I didn't know some of that either. How did that affect you when it comes to your confidence, like as a young adult and then coming into adulthood, what was your confidence like? Totally dependent on how it was received. Mm. It was totally dependent on other people. And so one little thing, whether that and things that people wouldn't notice, right, because I also felt growing up, I was very in tune with my environment and other people's emotions. And if I felt like I wasn't being well received, or if I got negative feedback, that just would crumble me. And I would be back at ground zero and trying to, okay, I need to work twice as hard now, or I need to do even more to get their approval and to get them to like me. Mm, Wow. So walk us through what happened next. So you grew up with a little bit of low self-worth. You never really felt seen. You always were kind of trying to just do the right thing. Didn't have a lot of confidence unless people were validating you. Now you go into your career. So what did you do for work? How did you choose that? Tell us a little bit more about that. It's so funny because I actually, I had this call with someone else and um, she was a hypnotherapist and she had said to me, um, why did you leave teaching? And I said, well, it's because I really, one of the reasons is I really value my freedom. And she said, you know, anybody who actually values their freedom would never become a teacher, right? And she, so I was like, yeah, I realized that. So why did I go into teaching? Um, Because teaching, I mean, you can't even go to the bathroom when you want to go to the bathroom. You're you're dealing with a bell system. Um, so anyways, wow. how I, I never got... thought about that. Yeah. I would hate that. <laughs> I, I did. <laughs> um, yeah, it's wild. But so when I was in teaching, I just, it was like copy and paste from my childhood. 
when I was in school, I, it's like I never ate lunch. I was always had something before school, during lunch and after school. As a teacher, I had something before school, during lunch and after after school. Wow. Like I was ran every program. I was the junior chair. I was the math lead. I like I literally was everything I possibly could be in this career and just worked my ass off to the point where some nights I was at school until 9 p.m. Like I've actually had the lights turned off on me. (laughs) So I just kept like, like trying to prove my worth, trying to do it all to be like, am I good enough yet? Like what to the point where I burned myself out because I was saying yes to everything and trying to be the absolute best all of the time which is exhausting. So your perfectionism was definitely coming out. Your almost like lack of wanting to give up control because if you were doing everything, then you could control how people saw you and you wouldn't upset anybody. So when was that moment where you were like, noticed that your ladder was against the wrong building? And that's an analogy I use a lot. It's like when you realize you're unfulfilled, you're like, oh my God, I've been climbing this ladder and it's against the wrong building. I'm not even supposed to be, I don't even want to go to the top of this building. I need to go to another building. So when did you realize like, oh my gosh, I don't even think this is what I want to do. I'm sure that was a very overwhelming moment after going through all the education to be a teacher and being well into your career. Talk about that moment you realized you were unfulfilled. (laughs) Yeah. I, so I think, first of all, teaching is special in the way, and, and I think some other careers can probably relate to this, where it becomes your whole identity. Like even all of my outfits were like teacher clothes, all my friends were teacher friends, right? Like it becomes so much part of your life. And I really found after my third year, I was burnt out and I needed to leave. And I did take a leave for a year and tried some other things, did some traveling, but ultimately I came back to it. And after those three years that I was back, I made all the changes I could. Like I switched schools to a different neighborhood. I bought a car so that I didn't have to take three modes of transit. Like all the little things that I thought were really the issue. I tried them all and then COVID happened. And I really started to work on myself, especially during COVID. And it was like, I woke up and was like, what am I doing with my life? I woke up and I realized like, this life isn't mine. How did I get here? How am I so far gone into this career? And, you know, even I was living in a city I didn't even want to live in. Mm -hmm. And at that point, like when you start to notice that it becomes almost unbearable to keep going. Like I would get physically sick before going to work because I was just so (laughs) did not want to be there. could not get myself to work. Like it was such a struggle. So Really, I feel like it was after eliminating all those other pieces and then doing the inner work, realizing like, hey, it's you, you gave it a fair go. It's, it's time to let go. Wow. Okay. So after COVID, you realize this isn't it. And then is this around the time where you joined Activate my program? Yes. So, um, I joined Activate, I think in... 2021 spring of 2021 yeah so that was kind of after the deep dive into you know the covid personal development and activate came at the perfect time because like i said i was awakened to this life that i knew wasn't right for me yeah but i didn't know what was and i was scared shitless of like what am i doing (laughs) i'm living this life that's not mine but how do i 
get to the other side? What does that even look like? And so when Activate, I don't even remember how I originally found you, but (laughs) something spoke to me. Um, And then seeing Activate, it was like, okay, yes, like this I know is going to help me. Mm -hmm. So I joined. And so for those of you who don't know what Activate is, because it's honestly a very, it's a, it's an older program of mine that I don't run anymore, but Activate was a six week program to help women find their soul's purpose. So it's really for people who feel confused. They know their soul is not on the right path. They know that they have some confidence issues because they're just, they don't know how to make the next steps and make a change. And so it's for people who like might have an idea, but they're like, I'm really here to find myself. I'm really here to find my soul's purpose. And I'm ready to take the steps that I need to, to, um, really like just go all in and change directions of my life, which is so much easier said than done. Activate was such a special group because I feel like so many of the women that went through that program are, are huge creators on the platform now, which I'm like, oh my gosh, all my babies. But the thing that I want to highlight with you and the thing that I think is so cool is that, you know, a six week program is enough to activate you and get you on another path, but it doesn't stop there. I always tell my clients like the real work happens after the program ends and what you do with the knowledge and what you keep continued to, or what you do with the knowledge and what you continue to do after that. So can you tell us a little bit more about, let's talk about Activate. So during Activate, I think that we got clear that you did want to be a creator online of some sort. Is that right? Yes, we were, we kind of got clear on, I wanted to talk more about this being raised as the good one Mm -hmm. and kind of share that online. So that's where we kind of left off. Awesome. And I remember in Activate, you had done a lot of inner child work around letting go of what people wanted you to be. And I think there was a lot of people pleasing that you were shedding and just like this new identity. So can you talk about what the process was like from being in your teaching role? And I know you were still in it at the end of Activate, but what was that first round of inner child work like for you? Like, what do you remember working on and what did you have to shed in order to fully step into this new baby creator that you wanted to be online? Um, well, first of all, Activate was my first real experience with inner child work. And then your inner child meditation is still one of my go-tos. <laughs> so it's so powerful. Um, and it really helped me shed just worrying about what everyone thought of me. And Mm -hmm. one of the biggest moments or biggest memories that I worked through was actually, I think sometimes when we think of inner child work, we think it's like, oh, really young, younger us. And yeah, it can be when we're really young. But for me, it was actually a memory in high school. And it was, um, even though I'm five, two, I used to play basketball and that was my favorite sport. Like that was my thing. And I, in my grade 12 year, I had to I ended up quitting the team because my coach was absolutely horrendous to me and consistently like just, I felt like was breaking me down bit by bit. And I mean, he was an older male and I think that is also triggering in its own sense. So um, that was one of the first things I put through inner child work of just like letting my younger self know she didn't deserve to be treated that way and kind of healing that big gap that I think 
also was a big contributor to my low self-worth because I was constantly like, I couldn't impress him. I couldn't impress my parents. And here I am, you know, wanting to go online and feeling like I don't, who am I to take up space online? I don't know what I'm doing. And just working through that to really heal part of that wound so that I could show up and be okay with being seen in a different way than, you know, as teacher me, as, you know, the good one, right? Speaking about things that can trigger other people and can receive, you know, criticism, putting myself out there in that way and letting people see me in a different light. Um, inner child work was key for me to be able to do that. Yeah. And I, I want to say this because so many people dip their toes in inner child work because I talk so highly of it. I mean, inner child work is the thing that changed my life. I'm like you, like without inner child work, I wouldn't be here today without helping myself feel worthy and valuable. And like, I could do it even if other people didn't approve with me, I literally wouldn't be sitting here on this podcast right now. So I love it, but I also really think it's one of those things where it's not like something that you just dip your toe in and you're like, oh, okay, like I did some inner child work. I should be feeling better. It has been a practice for me. Truly, if I could count the number of inner child meditations I've done in my lifetime, it I'm not kidding. It would probably be like a thousand. And yeah. so I know you were really committed to your inner child work too. What did that look like for you when you started healing your inner child and starting seeing the benefits? Like when was the first time that you realized oh, this is working. And then how did you continue after that? Oh, trying to think of the first time I realized it was working. That's step one. Hopefully it'll come to me. But um, for me, I remember you said to do it like three to four times a week. And when I did the first one, I was just a mess. I was crying. Like it was just so cathartic. And I was thinking, how am I going to be able to do this multiple times a week? Like you, once you do it, it feels so good though, where you start to crave it. It almost is like you have this moment. You're like, I'm okay. When I get home from work today, I'm going to do that inner child meditation around what just happened mm -hmm. around triggered me. Um, so I find it's like such an amazing tool and a go-to that I still use. And I think you sharing that even you do it, you know, multiple times gave me permission to, to really lean on that tool. And so doing it daily and sometimes I will go into it and I won't even know what memory is going to come up. Like I'll go into it and it's just like, sometimes I'm not, I'm feeling off and I'm not sure what it is. Um, so I, yeah, I find it really helpful for that. I also found it helpful for me to practice reparenting myself because in those meditations, that's essentially like, that's part of what we're doing. And so sometimes too, I'll even just take that practice and we'll reparent myself of just like checking in, like what's going on, what do you need? And just working through it that way. Now, as for what it's, it's how it's shown up for me, I can't think of the first thing, but I can think of so many things, which is like being able to show up online. If I didn't do that inner child work, there's no way I'd be, have a TikTok page. There's no way I'd even be on this podcast right now. There's no way because I was so scared of using my voice. I am used to being the person who, who just like asks questions. And then I like, I'll purposely pick people in a, in a group who are the talkers because I let them do the talking. <laughs> it's really uncomfortable for me to like, it used to be really uncomfortable for me to use my voice in that way. Mm -hmm. And now I am a coach. I talk on TikToks. Like I've recorded different programs. 
I use my voice every day in my career, which is something that an old version of me would not have been able to even imagine. So I think that's probably one of the biggest ways inner child work has helped me because it's it's allowed me to like to move past these labels I put on myself. <laughs> Like even this people pleaser label has helped me to move past that, the perfectionist, the overachiever. And it's helped me to ultimately give myself the validation that I was always looking for as a child and to be able to be that parent to my younger self. Mm, so good. And there's so there are so many good nuggets in there, but I want to continue on the journey because I know there was so much more. So I know that after we ended Activate and you did a lot of that deep inner work, then you were on TikTok a lot. Is that right? Yeah. You were starting your creator career on TikTok. Um, and then I think we worked together in another capacity. Did we do something together after that? Did we do like a little one-on-one -on -one package or something like that? Yeah. Then yeah. we worked one-on-one. -on -one, yeah. Yeah. Then we worked one-on-one -on -one together. And I remember during that time period, there was a lot of bigger identity shifts that needed to occur where you were on TikTok. I don't think that you were on Instagram yet. Nope. <laughs> you were only on TikTok. And I know there was a lot of hiding, subconscious hiding. And I want to talk about this real quick because this is something that I see with so many of my clients. They do get the courage to maybe get on a platform like TikTok or Instagram, which, you know, Yes, bravo, that's definitely the first step. But then when they get on, they're still subconsciously hiding from the world. So some very big symptoms of fear of being seen and hiding are not using your name on your on your social media, right? So like you're you're maybe having a name like the people pleasing healer or what I don't know, I'm just thinking of a random name, but you <laughs> don't have your name on there or yeah. your picture is not on there, or maybe you're on one platform, but you're not on both platforms, like when it would make sense to be on both platforms. There's other, there's a lot of ways that we hide. And the reason that we hide is because we don't want people from our past or people that know us to find us. And that's actually why I think a lot of people love TikTok is because, I mean, I even love it. It kind of feels like you're posting to the ethers, like you're putting it into a black hole and nobody really that you know is gonna find it because there's so many creators on there. But also I work with the energetics of hiding and the energetics of being seen. And if you are subconsciously trying to hide from the world and only wanting to be seen by strangers, but nobody that you know, you're giving the universe extremely mixed messages. Meaning you're saying, hey, I wanna go viral. I want this to be successful. I wanna have a successful business. I wanna make six figures but then you're hiding. The universe is like, I, I I can't give you what you want when you're hiding. I can only give you what you want when you're comfortable being seen because the version of you that has all that success, that has all that money, that has all the followers is okay being judged, is okay being seen. So I can't give you something that you're not being. So let's talk a little bit about the ways that you were hiding, because I think this is going to be really helpful for people who are still hiding and give them permission to also step into this new version of themselves and be seen. So take it away. <laughs> yeah, it's really hard to hide when you have your own business, you're building it, you're the face of your business. And I, we've talked about this before, but building a business is like the most triggering thing because you're constantly needing to expand and you can't hide. And 
before I really started to build this, I was hiding between so many different handle names. Like I would, it would say you could change it every 15 or 30 days, depending. And I would always change it, but I would never change it to my name. Um, I hid behind a different picture. It wasn't ever of me. And I made it in a way where if somebody actually knew me, they wouldn't know it was me behind the account. Wow. So I was, even though I was starting to show up, I still was hiding. And I remember this actually happened a few months ago. I've now since fortunately transitioned. We've talked about that, like in one of our sessions, you really were like, Galita, it's time. You have to own it, own that you're a coach. And I had been hiding behind this mentor name. I wasn't really sure what I was and was so nervous to own that because then it brought up all these things like, who am I to be a coach? Like, what makes me a coach? How can I be a coach? Like, really challenging that identity, especially, you know, transferring from being a teacher to that. So that like peeled back a whole bunch of other layers that I had to work through and just really own it. So you did a really great job of calling me out for that. <laughs> and I appreciate it. That was a hard session we had. I remember yeah. I was like, girlfriend, why is, why is your name not on your profile? Why aren't you calling yourself a coach? I was like, okay, Kalina, I love you, but like, you're still hiding. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it seems so obvious now looking back of like, yeah, what, what were you doing? But sometimes <sighs> you, you can't see your own shit and you need that coach to call you out and say like, Hey, this is your next step. What are you doing? Like, let's allow yourself to be seen that way. And so ironically or not so ironically, once I own this coach title, that's when I actually started to be a coach and have clients and start this business. So, Yay! <laughs> yes. Okay. I want to pause right here and really talk about the energetics of this, because this is something that so many of my clients of so many of the people that listen to this podcast are struggling with. They want to be seen. They want to be validated. They want to have the likes. They want to have the saves. They want people to ask to work with them, but the universe cannot bring you those people if you are hiding. So something that Kalina just highlighted is that as soon as she owned who she was, put her name on her profile, put her picture on her profile, called herself a coach. And then I'm guessing too, because I remember working together, asking for business. Yeah, it's hard to be a coach if you're not offering anything. Right. So the moment you- people don't know. Yeah. So as soon as you started asking for business, is that when things started rolling and you started actually making your first um, few sales? Yes. Which is also a great point because it was like, people didn't even know one that I was a coach or that I had something to offer. And so I would spiral and be like, why is nobody working with me? Why is no one reaching out wanting to know about my programs or whatever? It's like, well, because you're hiding, you're not even letting them know that you're available to support them. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that was definitely a huge turning point for me, that call. <laughs> So let's talk about some of the triggers that were coming up when you first put your name on your Instagram, put your face on it. Um, I'm sure some people in your life have seen and follow your account at this point. So what triggers were coming up then? Uh, what did you have to work through in this new level of visibility? Um, ironically, um, a few months after I like was fully showing up as a coach online, I first noticed somebody from high school, I don't live in my hometown anymore, but somebody from my high school started to view my profile and then somebody else and then somebody else. And then I was like, it felt like my whole high school had found my profile. And 
I started freaking out at first, but thank God for inner child work, put it through that <laughs> and was like, it's okay. I'm not doing anything wrong here. If, if anything, it's like, yeah, come see me. And if you want to work with me, let me know. Right. Like really kind of, um, having that shift. And I found that I was tested in that way too, of, you know, family members finding me who didn't even know I was really like had left teaching and was kind of like, what is she doing online? And having those sometimes uncomfortable conversations with people when they would say, so what do you do? And I immediately, my go-to was to play small and be like, oh, I'm just, I'm still trying to figure it out. And which is so unaligned. It's like, no, I, I deserve to say like, I'm a coach and own that even outside of social media. So that was the next thing. It was like introducing myself to people when they ask what they do, I'm allowed to say I'm a coach now mm -hmm. and giving myself permission to own it outside of social media as well. And what I'm hearing energetically is you were playing big, not only online now, but in real life, you were also owning who you were and energetically telling the universe, I deserve a seat at the table. This is who I am. And I'm going to fully own it. Even though other people might be uncomfortable or think it's weird or judge me, I'm going to just stand into who I am. <laughs> yeah. And there's so much power in that versus, you know, giving your power away and, and not doing this and hiding because I don't want to make other people feel uncomfortable or I don't want that judgment. It's like, no, my, and this came from you as well. Like my mission's bigger than that. It's something I always say to myself, my mission's bigger than my pity party. <laughs> like oh my God, I love that. <laughs> and it is, it's like, I always remind my clients that I always ask them, I said, so whose, whose opinions are you afraid of? They named some people from their past and I go, so you're going to take your entire mission, your entire life purpose, and you're just going to hand it to them in a little bow and say, here, you can have my life's purpose because your opinion of me is more important than what I'm here to do on this earth. And if you think about it in that way, that is fucking ludicrous that people will do that and they will. Yeah. And I know it's trauma and it's inner child stuff and it's shadow. And that's why I'm here to help transmute that. But you, at the end of the day, the bottom line is you have to care more about your purpose and your mission than you do other people's opinions of you, period, the end. That's what yeah. it comes down to. And if you can't get there, you got to clear out the gunk and the trauma so that you can get there. Yes. I know we've talked a lot about inner child work here, but like do the work. It it works. It <laughs> does work. This. It like, does work. And yeah. I have been there too, where people viewed my profile. I mean, I've shared this on my podcast before. When I first started my account, you know, I had 12 followers and then I had like people sharing my posts. And like, you know, that those shares at that point, when you have 12 followers, like, you know, those shares are people that, you know, you know, it's not yeah. people just sharing around your posts cause they're good. And it <laughs> is so triggering to be seen by people from your past at first. It feels like you just want to, you just want to get into your turtle shell and hide. That's, that's how mm -hmm. I used to feel. I'd be like, I just wish I could go into my turtle shell and go into a black hole and not, not see anyone. But in those moments, it's so helpful to have a tool like shadow or inner child work and really stay in your heart and stay in your bigness and just be like, no, I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm only trying to put good into the world. If they want to make fun of me and if they want to, you know, share my profile around and if they want to talk shit about me, then cool. Because 
I used to say to myself, like, I'm going to make this business so big one day that they're going to be the ones that are like, oh shit. And you know what I did? I did exactly that. Did where it. It's like, nobody can look at my profile and be like, what is she doing in her little business? Because I was like, I'm a big deal and I'm going to act like a big deal until I become a big deal. And that's the energy of like that full embodiment of I'm going to go first. And so even when people were looking at your profile, I'm sure you didn't have a lot of followers then. What are some fears that were coming up for you? of what they might say or what they might think about you and how did you work through it in inner child work? So I want you to give the process of like, what were you telling your inner child in those moments? Yeah. Well, something that you just said reminded me too of when I would see other people looking at my profile, I would immediately start creating a story about what they were thinking. Mm. And to me, when I do that, like that's, that's where the work is. So if they were, if I, somebody saw my profile and I would say like, oh, they probably think I am like, don't know what I'm talking about. And like, I look ridiculous and stupid. I'm on TikTok, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Well, they're, they're, they may or may not be thinking that, but those are my own thoughts. So let's work through that. And so I would take that through inner child work and then sit with my younger self, depending on what age came forward. And I would just let them know, like, it's okay to be fully seen. You are loved. You are enough exactly as you are. You don't need to prove anything. You are worthy and deserving of this opportunity of going for it. I'm so proud of you. Like even talking about this makes me feel emotional because it's just like, it's something when you think of your younger self, even sitting with you and seeing you now on the other side of things, it's like, damn, you can feel that love and that pride that they have for you. It's mm -hmm. like you get to be that person they needed. You get to be that person that they dreamt of. And that's such a privilege. Oh. Oh my gosh, that was everything. And I'm so proud of you for, you know, just constantly going and being that parent to your inner child. And what you're really doing in those moments is you are literally shifting a timeline. There was so many times where I would just think, oh, well, if I had an upbringing like this, or if I had a dad like this, or if I had a mom like this, I would have turned out so much differently. And inner child work gives you the opportunity to give your inner child that difference. It's like, I've given my inner child a, a really loving dad that was like super, you know, emotional and emotionally available and could express his feelings. And it's like, that makes all the difference for what the current version of me looks for, wants, feels about herself, looks at like, you know, I'm talking about in relationship, but inner child work really allows you to shift a timeline where you got what you needed. And now you can be the most confident, worthy version of yourself. And that's really what you, um, what you did. And I also want to take a moment to just unpack, like, I know we're kind of using the terms cause we know exactly what happens in inner child work. But when Kalina says like, I took it through inner child work, the process that we have both used as we take something that's triggering and we root it back to a memory from childhood. And this is, this is done in a lot of modalities of healing, but basically you find the root of the issue. So if Kalina is like triggered by somebody from her past, looking at her profile, she would get clear on the emotion. Like, okay, I feel 
unworthy. I feel unseen. I feel unloved. And then she might root it back to a memory where she felt really unseen in the classroom as a child, or she felt unseen on her basketball team. And then you go sit with that version of yourself and you help that version feel whole so that now you're operating from a place of like, okay, I actually do feel worthy because I just got what I needed. And now I don't really need my external to change because I just changed my internal world without anything needing to happen outside um, to feel differently, which is really when we become the co-creator of our reality. Okay. (laughs) Sorry. That was a lot to say. I need to take a breath. (laughs) So after this, you started booking your first clients. Were you, had you left your teacher job at this point? Yes, I had left teaching full time, but I was still um, supply teaching and kind of doing long-term jobs within the board at that point. Cool. And I always say that that's totally okay. Like for anybody wanting to leave their corporate job or, you know, wanting to go full-time online, I think there's a lot of shame around like having some side jobs at first, but I had some side jobs. I think it's actually really like a safe thing and a good thing when you're trying to create a full-time income in your business to sometimes still pick up some side work so you can have your nervous system feel safe enough to go all in. So let's talk a little bit about um, the process of quitting your teaching job, like that moment in time, some of the fears that arose, and then pivot to where you are now, because I know you're full-time in your business now. Yeah. So I feel like the universe is funny sometimes. And uh, I actually was on leave that year where I was supplying. And then this September, I was still on leave. I had extended my leave for another year. It hadn't officially quit. And my old class didn't have a teacher. And so (laughs) my old principal reached out to me and said, hey, can you teach this year? Can you come back? Blah, blah, blah. They don't have a teacher. And I my reaction at first was, oh my gosh, yes, I need to go there. I can do both. It's fine. And I'll make it work. And I was just kind of sucked back into that. And I lasted two weeks. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't agree to a full year. I said, I'll I'll commit to two weeks just until you find someone. Um, But how funny is it that I got kind of almost like that test before fully leaving. Mm -hmm. And I remember driving to work and I was just like, Kalina, what are you doing? I at first was going to go and say, okay, maybe I'll stay until Thanksgiving. And my principal wasn't there. I couldn't get a hold of her. Um, and I took that as a sign of like, okay, let's pause. Let's wait a minute. What are you doing? This isn't, we know this doesn't work. We know this isn't what you want. And so I left after that and I was actually writing my letter of resignation <laughs> when you put in your channel about letting go. It's time to let go. And it was just like an amazing synchronicity and confirmation of this need to fully let go because I feel like I was holding on to it, obviously, as a security blanket and it had served me, but I was also holding on to this old identity and wasn't allowing myself to fully shift into this coaching identity because I could still say, oh, I'm still a teacher though. Like I still teach, right? So giving myself permission to fully let go of something especially something that I knew it was past its due date I needed to let go of. It's so funny how we sometimes hold on to things well past their their due date. Um, And then being able to write that letter of resignation and step into coaching like full time, depending on it and showing up as 
me as a coach has been really exciting and I'm just so, so grateful for it. Oh my gosh. That's such a amazing story. And I think it's really cool that people can see the progression of it. I mean, it didn't happen overnight, right? This is like a year and a half journey of you realizing that you weren't in the right career, taking action by joining a program, doing a lot of inner work, and then taking baby steps over that next year to really step into this full coaching identity. And I think that one of the things that we have to talk about is the letting go process, because letting go is hands down the hardest human lesson that I think there is. I mean, no matter if you're letting go of a relationship, a job, an identity, the thing about letting go is it requires radical trust in the universe and yourself. And when you let go, what you don't realize is that you're letting go of what's familiar and then you're trusting that the unknown is gonna be better than what you let go of and you have zero proof. And so a lot of times people don't want to let go because the unknown feels so scary. And I think as humans, the more we can feel held in the unknown and we can learn to trust the unknown, that is the magic pill for our most fulfilled life. So after you let go of that job for the last time and you were like, okay, I'm done, you know, two weeks, was there some fear that you weren't going to get enough clients that you weren't going to be bringing an income? Like, I want to get really real here. What are the fears that came up when you had to let go of that career fully? And was like, I'm not going to make any money from that anymore. Those are the moments sometimes where I'm like, why can't I just be normal? (laughs) I know, right? You're like, why can't I just love my nine to five job? (laughs) Yeah. Like, come on. (laughs) Um, Because yeah, it was really hard and it was knowing to like, being a teacher, I knew I had a paycheck and what the paycheck looked like every two weeks. It was predictable. I like I, I could something I could count on. And moving into this space, it's it's you don't get a salary. <laughs> it's it's not doesn't work that way. So um I was really scared because I had just actually finished my first round of my program. So that was coming to an end. And I hadn't yet signed anyone for the second round. And so I was like, am I crazy to be quitting after these two weeks? And when I don't necessarily have something solidified for after this, like, is, is this stupid? But you have to trust that inner knowing you have to trust when something, when you know, you're done with something, because you need to one, let go. So you have your hands open to receive and you need to make room for it. And quite frankly, teaching those two weeks, I had no room for anything. And I ended up getting a client uh, shortly after quitting, just as wow. like, I feel like the universe's confirmation of like, thank you. <laughs> and um, ironically, I one of the things I've wanted to do was to be on podcasts. It's something that I've wanted to kind of start. And we had a call and in the call, you suggested I come on your podcast it was just like okay amazing I saw a friend she suggested I come on her podcast like it was just like I felt like all of these doors that I had been waiting and wanting to open just started to open and it was almost felt like I it was like thank you for taking this leap let's do this like we're ready (laughs) doors are open oh my gosh I love that end to like the story of where we're at now because 
what I really see is that you had to let go and trust and sit in that space of, oh my God, is this going to work? Am I going to be able to sign more clients? I, I'm scared now. And then the universe kind of like came in. I mean, there probably wasn't right away, but you know, a few weeks after came in and confirmed you're on the right path. Here's your clients. It's only going to get better from here. You're still going to have to work hard, but let's go baby. Like this is your purpose and we're going to do it. So I love that so much. And then now Kalina works in one of my programs for me, because like I said, she's just one of my favorite humans. She's so embodied. She does the work and I really only want to work with people or have people work for me that know what I teach and they do the work and they know how important the work is. So now she works in my program, Scared to Seen, and does some one-on-one calls for me. And it's just been so, like, I I would love to see our soul contract one day because it would be so cool just to see what all is written out. But I am like so beyond proud of how you've grown. Even just, I remember on the first call, you were timid and you didn't say much and you didn't really own what you wanted to do. And now you're you know, this successful coach that has your own programs, has your own, has your own entire business. And I, I don't know, I just couldn't be more proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. I so appreciate that. And I remember that first call. I was so nervous all day for that call because I knew Mm -hmm. I would have to like speak. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And it's just so cool to become full circle. And I mean, it's also a testament to what an amazing coach you are and the support you provide that now I'm sitting here talking about my journey. So love it. (laughs) Is there any last things that you want the audience to know about your journey or just even some words of wisdom for anyone who may feel like they're in the space where they don't know what they want to do next, or they're scared to be fully seen? Like, what would you tell someone who is in your shoes? Um, I would say, first of all, you know, It's not that you don't know, you know, and actually, I don't know if you heard that a doorbell just rang. So confirmation. I love that. (laughs) Um, And you just have to let yourself go for it. It's about, it's not so much about doing more and having the perfect plan and waiting for the right time. It's about getting rid of the shit that has you believing that you don't deserve to go for it because Mm -hmm. you do, you just need to get out of your own way and, and do it because you have everything you need already. I love this. Yes. So much wisdom there. And I think it just takes a lot of self-trust, a lot of trust in the universe, and it's not going to be perfect. It's never going to be perfect. So if you're waiting for it to be perfect, you're going to be waiting your entire life. So you just got to go for it, (laughs) ladies. Um, Amazing. Well, if you, if there's someone that's listening and they're like, I am the good one. I need help with people pleasing. I want to have higher self-worth. I want to build confidence. I want to start setting empowering boundaries, finding my purpose, doing all the things. How can they work with you? How can they find you? Give us all the info. Um, so you can find me at Heal with Kalina, both on TikTok and Instagram. You can work with me either through one of my programs. One is called Empowered You, which is exactly, it's built for those raised as the good ones. We do the work to help you to really get to the root of your people pleasing and perfectionism so that you no longer have to do all the work and do everything to get that validation outside of yourself and for you to get to the root of not feeling like you're enough. Mm. So that's what we do in Empowered You. We can also work one-on-one through coaching, or you can book a one-off session if you would like to just kind of dive in a little bit and do the work together. 
Yay. Thank you so much for coming, Kalina. All the links will be below and I'll see you guys in another episode.